Christian tithes and offerings. I haven't mentioned this for a while. It's very important to pray over our tithes and offerings. You know, these are seeds that we sow into the kingdom to reap a harvest, and God will reap a harvest of blessing in the kingdom. And on your behalf, you'll receive a heavenly reward for all that's done on behalf of the kingdom. You know, this is God's way of blessing you through the tithes and offerings. He promises to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing more than we're able to receive. Amen? Amen. You give what you can. If you're not working, we understand. But, you, you know, God requires the 10%. And uh, God will bless that. Okay, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, as I've moved to this new apartment, um, uh, Slough Council, which are uh, practically bankrupt, they had to pay me back 800 pounds of my council tax. <laughs> so we thank God for that. And then the energy company that I was with, they paid me back 400 pounds. So hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a living testimony. That's good. That's good. And uh, even my rent, the landlord is being greedy and um, taking it to the arbitration service. And I've got plenty of evidence and pictures of how nice I left the flat. So I'm praying that I get my, my full money back there. So God is good, amen? Amen. All the time. So let's pray over that. Father, I pray over the tithes and offerings that your people are giving, Lord. I thank you for it. I thank you for their generosity, oh God. I thank you for their willingness to give. Like the Apostle Paul prayed for the willingness of the Philippians to give, Lord. We just thank you for that, Lord. Lord, you are the multiplier. and You're going to multiply this seed, Father, in their lives. In Jesus' name, you're going to make opportunities, Father, where there are no opportunities. You're going to get jobs where they don't have jobs. Lord, you're going to get promotion where they need promotion. We thank you, Father, for this because you are a good God and you want to see your people blessed. You want us at the top and not at the bottom. And we thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And the other part of that testimony was that, uh, yeah, I got a new job. I thank God for that. And obviously a little bit more money. Just thank God for that. Amen. 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 Let me hand it over to the bishop now. He's going to share a powerful word with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless your heart, Pastor Vince. Bless you, everybody. Bless you, Nana, for leading us in a time of worship. I didn't see that coming so quick. So I already set the recording in motion. Uh, usually I don't want us talking about money to go into our recordings. But, I mean, this is biblical. So, uh, Pastor Vince, I'm going to capture about your little testimony and your admonition for us to give to honor God. Uh, what God has set in motion is that he requires all of us, even if you are a preacher, and you don't pay your tithes and give, you will not prosper according to the covenant blessings. So please, let's continue to do what the covenant stipulates from us. Uh, in adding to that, um, I, my, the printout for the, the little pamphlets that I've done, which God had laid on my heart for a long time, I mean, we finished everything, and uh, when we went to the press to print it, 
uh, actually, I mean, uh, if I do a thousand, it's going to cost, I mean, over 500 pounds. And, uh, and then it goes on, on it, I mean, like that. So, uh, by the grace of God, I mean, I decided that God blessed me in a certain way. And I said, no, uh, I'm not going to ask anybody. I'm going to pay everything myself so that we can give it out free. So I, I used my tithe and a little bit more to pay for that. And so we all do it. We don't tell you to do it without we doing it because it is required of us. Look at how Pastor Vince is getting blessed. The, like councils, when your money goes there, they don't bring it back to you. So for this, this is a testimony of the faithfulness of God and we bless God for that. He says he will cause the windows of heaven to be open over you. Anyway, this is just by the way, it's recorded and I can't, I mean, erase it. So uh, if you listen to the message, you get it there and I want you to continue to allow God to cause his power to come upon you and your family so that you will not be held bound in that area. Let's, let's go into the word of God. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for opening this opportunity for us to come before you, to engage with your mind, to engage with your heart. Father, you have already given to us in the parable of the sower that some hearts are rocky, some hearts are stony, some hearts are the wayside, and some hearts are good soils. Today, we want our hearts to continue to be good soils so that you can plant the engrafted word in our heart for us to bear our fruits according to our abilities, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Our utmost desire is that we will bear a hundred fold fruit. Let it be God as we listen to your word. Your word will anchor within our spirits and speak to us even when we have dispersed from our gathering to ponder over it, for it to germinate and to bring forth befitting fruit in our lives, which will set us on course to experience supernatural manifestations in every dimension of our lives. We refuse to be rocky grounds, stony ground, and wayside grounds. We choose consciously to be fertile soils. For the germinating of your seed in our lives, which will penetrate into our children and our children's children, setting us free from every bondage and influence of the enemy, breaking every shackles of the wicked one that is meant to hold us and to cause us not to progress in the way that you want us to progress. We thank you that you have given us power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means will hurt us. Thank you that we will stand and steadfastly on the basis of the word that is anchored in our spirits. Resist the evil one and he will flee from us. Thank you for doing this for us. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15 to 18, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. 
I'm reading from New International Version. Glory to God. What 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 a friend we have in Jesus. Somebody said this sometimes. You say, what a friend we have in Jesus. Glory to God. Our God by His Spirit is rising up. This is a prophecy. He's rising up on behalf of every individual, of every family to steer the affairs of our lives in a new trajectory altogether. A new trajectory altogether. He's rising up. It has not been long that I came and I said that I see that there is elevation, there's promotion coming, even against all the odds. I remember, most of you remember. When we were, yeah. And I mean, it's happening all around. It's happening all around. And it's mind-boggling. And it's so much glorious. And now he's saying that he's rising up to lift us to a new trajectory within our life sphere to bring us to a plane and a level where we begin to experience the good of the land. The good of the land is for you and your family to enjoy. The good of the land is coming to you and your family. Say, I receive it. The good of the land is coming to you and your family. The good of the land is coming to you and your family. Let's pray in tongues and let us anchor to it. The good of the land is coming to you and your family. The good of the land is coming to you and your family. The good of the land is coming to you and your family. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. The good of the land is coming to you and our family. The good of the land is coming to you and your families. The good of the land is coming to us, every one of us, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search through all eternity, Lord. there is no like you. Let's take it again. There is like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search for eternity and find there is. Shout to the Lord on the earth, let us sing. 
power and majesty praise to the king mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name and I sing for joy at the works of your hands forever I love you forever I stand nothing compares to the promise I have in you. you see, nothing compares to the promise we have in Christ. Amen. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Yes. So if Christ is our friend indeed and dwells in us, then he is there to propel you and I. To a place of notably touching the promises of God in our lives. God always operates within the boundaries of his promises. And none of the promises of God will return void until they have accomplished what he has sent them to do in your life and in my life. Let us continue to rehearse. What God speaks to us individually and what he has spoken to us generally in his word. Because that is our propelling force who takes us beyond hindrances of life, attacks of the enemy, and brings us out victorious in every area and dimension of our lives. Victory is established. For you and your family. And we shall celebrate and dance to the glory of God. Yes, there are times because there is a season to everything. There are times that we may come out with tears. But weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. And the morning is shining unto you and unto me. That we are going to rejoice and celebrate the goodness of our God. For our God never fails. Amen. He never does. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We shall take your word and troop out to where giants have fallen. And we will stand secure and wave your banner until many will see your faithfulness and come and shelter under your banner of victory. We thank you. In him, we stand secure. In Christ, we stand secure. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Let's read Colossians 1, 15 to 18. I'm speaking on the topic, the first things of God. The first things of God. Meaning, there are some things God puts first or speaks to us that they are first and must be given first place in our lives. 
If God puts something first in your life and in my life, we don't have to relegate it. We don't have to put it second, third, or fourth. It must be first. Because God has a reason why he wants it to be first. First, sorry, Colossians 1, verse 15 to 18. The sun is the image of the invincible God. Note it carefully. The sun is the image of the invincible God. The firstborn, note it, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven, on earth, visible and invincible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. Note it. He is what? Before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. The NIV says, in all things he might have the supremacy. In other translations, King James and New King James says that he might have the preeminence. You see, here God puts Jesus Christ as the first among everything. That in everything, the first place belongs to Jesus. So he even recounts it and puts Christ at the, by the reason of creation, although he created all things. But then by creating all things, he was first of all things that were to be created. He's the first from the resurrection when he came to this world. Because we are all going to also resurrect, but Jesus is the first. That rose himself first from the dead. He is the beginning and the firstborn of all things. And then he, he brings it to the, I mean, to the zenith. At the zenith, he says that Christ must be preeminent in all things. That means in our, in our engaging interaction, our walk with God, we make sure that Christ is placed first. That Christ will not have any competition. Christ will not have any equal. Let's not make a mistake to put anything within us as first and shift Jesus from that place. If you honor him by putting him first in all things that you seek to do, it will happen to you that he will also put you at the right place in life that you deserve and that you belong. So in this, God has broken it down and then he has spoken to us about seven things that he wants us, in addition to putting Christ first, we must in that sphere or in that arena also learn to put that thing first. The first that I want us to look at it's found in Matthew 23. 
We go to verse 26. Matthew 23, verse 26. He says, Blind Pharisees, first, note it, first do what? First clean the inside of the cup and dish. Then the outside also will be clean. This is the time when Jesus was on earth and he was teaching and revealing the Father. The Pharisees were people who were almost to say in the Old Testament custodians of the word of God. They were supposed to stand in the synagogues and guide people to know God. But then their emphasis was on outward things. The outward things. But then Jesus flips it and Jesus says, I know, first clean the inside. And he uses this simple analogy of having a cup and the outside and the inside of the cup is dirty. And then you are more concerned with the outside of the cup, cleaning just the outside or the mark that you have in your house. And then you've left the inside still dirty. When you want to drink, all the gems is going to go into you. The most important thing that you need to do first, according to what Jesus is saying, is clean the inside. And even hygiene tells us so. So he's using this hygiene scenario to speak to us about ourselves, that in your engaging with God, make sure that your innermost being is positioned right. Most people think that because you cannot see my inside, I can hide envy, I can hide hatred, I can hide gossip, backbiting inside me, and nobody will know. But Jesus says that if you do, you are only deceiving yourself because it is what is in the inside that will affect the entire body. So he says, first, clean the inside. My question is, do we spend time to check on who we are in the inside? These days, all the, do you know that people spend more time, more money on their bodies, more than checking their spirit and their soul? Because the spirit and the soul is not visible. That is the inside of the cup. People are more concerned with their outward appearance. They will spend everything, they will do everything to appear so special. But then when you start interacting and when you start engaging with them, what is in the inside, that is the real person that they are, will come out through their actions, their dealings, their words, to pollute what they have done outwardly. And then at times you see that, oh, when you meet her or him, when you meet him, outwardly he looks so nice. But then he's a very wicked person. He's a very vindictive person. He's a very cantankerous person. He's a very evil person. And from that, it doesn't matter how the person appears. It doesn't mean anything anymore. That is why Jesus says, first, 
cleanse the inside. Clean the inside. When your inner man and your soul is of the right cleansing. And it's only the word of God that can go into you and cleanse you there. It is only when you allow the word, the truth of God's word to check you, to turn yourself away from wickedness, to turn yourself away from jealousy, to turn, that is a cleansing thing. And to take only the word of God. If not, you will beautify yourself, you will be in church, you will sit in high and mighty places, but your inside will negate and cancel the outward appearance. Please, Jesus is giving us the first things that we have to do in God. Spend time. If you have to cry before God and say, God, I don't know why I am so envious about the progress of other people. I don't know why jealousy is so much in my heart. I don't know why I am so wicked. I don't know why I wish bad to happen in the lives of other people. At times it rises within you and you don't know why. But if you go before God, you alone before God, you'll get deliverance. And that is the cleansing. The word will reach into all the hidden parts of your inside and bring cleansing to you. And when you are cleansed in the inside, Jesus says the outside will be clean. It will reflect. It will reflect outwardly. The second first thing that God wants us to do is found in Matthew chapter 7. Please note that this is a deliverance, soul-searching word. It's a soul-searching word because this is what makes us genuine and true sons and daughters of God. It is not how we appear outwardly. Matthew chapter 7, verse 5. He says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, he was speaking about judgment. Do you know that at times we, we get on our moral high horse and we condemn everybody and we condemn people who are making mistakes and then we, we classify them and then we put them into a category to the point that even at times we, we, we say this person has done this, has done this, is a very, he's been going to church for a long time or he's been serving in church or he's been doing this in church but look at what the person is doing and for that reason I don't want to have anything to do with the person. Here, Jesus is telling us that we should let judgment be in the hands of God alone. It doesn't mean that we should condone evil we can correct people out of love. We can reprimand people out of love. But then he says, before you get on your moral high horse, check. And he, he does a comparison here, which, which, which makes it so amazing. That is why he's using the word you hypocrite. Why hypocrite? Because when we talk about having a plank, a plank 
<laughs> a beam. He's talking of a huge wood that you have covering even your eyes that is making you not to see properly. And a speck is just one little particle of dust. Particle of dust that is in the eyes of somebody. You have a big log, a beam over your eyes. But within the beam, you are able to see the little speck of dust that is in the eyes of your brother and your sister. That means you are so judgmental that you have a blind spot that you cannot see what you are ruining your life with, which is the big log. So he says, first, take the log out of your eyes. Judge yourself. Correct yourself first. So that you can see clearly. And then out of love, you will see that, oh, the way I was condemning this brother or this sister, not knowing what is in her eyes, is only something very tiny compared to what was in my eyes. Please, let us not be too judgmental against family members, against friends, against church members, against colleagues. Always, if you want to be more self-critical, assess yourself. Let your first judgment go to you and become the best of you. And when you become the best of you in the light of God's word, you will see that whatever you do towards people will be born out of the love of God. And you will put it in the right perspective. So the second first is take the beam or the lock. If you attend to the show when you ask her, or see you free her and sana what may ye sebe? A dear kitty kitty kitty, na ato obi ni sono. It's a wee. If you are not sure when you are sitting free her. Ube hunu ni ye hunu se eh sa mi ni ndi ye na me kan kasi e pe sa e ya de ke te ke te ke te ke te mi sra me kan me ke pi mi sra no unti ni ye e dru mre bia ye na ye so enkrofon fun so mu twen twan dodo asu ya na ye di refise mre bi anase mpunu nene ne ye o be brese nya me de che amen and nun chin mumu yinina so na yang sre radi se radi yamadum nemi nyi Ediana sabe Edame nisuno Nemetima buemi nyamene yini diye kete kete no Asidikai First remove the beam in your eyes or the lock that is in your eyes deal with yourself first so that we can see clearly to help others let us not go about being excessively judgmental. Somebody say amen. amen. It's very easy to show an attitude of unkindness to people. Very, very easy. It's very easy. For us to point to other people and forget our own shortcomings. <clears throat> Jesus says, first, cast the beam out of your own eye so that you can remove the speck that is in the eyes of other people. Three, he says, first, before, let's read the scripture. Still five, I'm going back to five, Matthew five, 
Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24. Another first thing that we need to do. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, note it, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. 24. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You see this in the Old Testament. Jesus lived under the Old Testament and then he ushered us into the New Testament. So in his time, it was still the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, people used to go before the altar and present their peace offering, their love offering, their sin offering, which will be in the form of an animal and then the priest will kill it take the parts that belongs to the priest and then the parts that are holy that has to be bent, then they will burn it to God so that that person will have freedom. Jesus is saying here under the Old Testament that if you are bringing, let's say, your sin offering and you remember that, not that you have something against them, that somebody has something against you. He says, tie your animal there and go back and try to make peace. In our time, Jesus is our sacrifice. He has died already. So he has sacrificed himself. That means that every day, if we have the opportunity before we pray, before we go to church, before we sing songs, before we give our offering, we must check our hearts to know if somebody has something against us. And then we try to make peace. That is reconciliation. That is what God, he says first, try to make reconciliation. And in the New Testament, he has given to us. Some people are stubborn. Some people are such that they will not listen to you. Some people will not allow you even to bring their thing up for you to talk into it. In such, he says, you have done your part. But then he says, if you remember, first do that before you will have the freedom and the liberty to offer your sacrifice to the Lord. You see, the way of Christ is the highway is the way that overrides every culture, every human law, and every human statutes. So if we, we stick to the highway of Christ and we live according to it, we shall be a peculiar people here on earth. That people will admire us and seek to know the God who has changed us like that. Can you think about it? That somebody has done something wrong to you and then you go the, the extra mile to go and ask the person, oh, let's make peace. I'm not here to demand that I'm right or you are wrong. I'm here for peace. Most people, if they are true, true, excuse me to say, human beings, most people will bow down their heads in shame. Some will cry and make peace with you. Are you here? Amen. Let's make sure Amen. that these are done in our lives because this is what the high life of Christ and of God requires from us. When we become too much stiff and set in our ways, I will never speak to this person. I will never. You are in the flesh. If you are not in the flesh, some demon is trying to exploit your life. 
Because he says, first try. You try. You try. You see, when you are trying like that, you see that, that hatred, that pain in your heart will go. Family tensions. Even these wars that are going on is because of entrenched positions. Hamas think that yeah, they have the right to wipe away Israel because Israel only came back to the place in 1948. So they think that they have come and now they are occupying the place back by the Westerners. And so they think they have the, uh, with most of the, uh, I mean, Muslims, then that's what they think. Because God told Israel that if you become stubborn, I'll take you away from your land and scatter it, scatter all of you to the nations. And when you, and they did, and they were scattered, and the place did not, no land will remain empty when there is nobody there. So when you come back, and because of your stubbornness and your God scattering you away, you come back, you don't just come and take everything. And you see, if you don't know these things in history, you will just, I mean, in, in, in wrong interpretation, take size, and then you, you, you make a mess. Even that, why can't they live together in peace? Yes, it has, the lands has been, they are living there, you are living here. Why are people saying that we want to wipe Israel off? Why? Because of entrenched position. And even now that Hamas has done this, it was few bad elements in Hamas. I don't want to go too much deep into it, but let me say few evil elements, not the entire Hamas. Hamas is a political party. There are good people there. Just as there are good people in Israel, but certain I mean, criminals, evil people invaded Israel. And now Israel is going back. Not just, they cannot, because they cannot just attack only the evil people. They don't have the means. So now it's affecting innocent people. And now even for them to hold their peace, for children and innocent people to be given water, they say no. Entrenched position again. Two wrongs doesn't make right. So, it's all about reconciliation. If somebody would take the higher law of Christ and allow it that if you remember somebody has something against. Now, there are a lot of international, people of the international community are trying to mediate that I'll bring you and then let's do the, I mean, the two-state solution. And still, I mean, some are in entrenched position. They want the blood to flow. They want innocent people to die. It will come back to people sitting down to talk. Guns doesn't bring peace. Because this, this terrorism is an ideology. It's like when you have somebody who is evil around you, it, it, is, it is a spirit. So if you beat the person physically, <laughs> it's an exercise in futility. It is when the demon is cast out that the person can think right. The same thing with what is going on. So it comes back to the church. We who know spiritual things, to pray more, to fast more. All throughout last week, I've been fasting. And I'm going to fast. Next week, I'm fasting. The following week, it's not for the church, it's just for me. I'm fasting and fasting and fasting because I want to see Christ move in some areas. And in history, it is fasting and prayer. And 
the word of God that brings change in atmospheres, in destinies, changes cities because some people will commit to long fasting and persistent in prayer until God steps into it with his full power to resolve the situation. This is in our families. This is in our personal lives. This is in our, I mean, our extended families. This is in our workplace. This is in our cities, in our communities, in our countries that we need to continue. Maybe that is not your gift. Please don't force yourself to fast beyond your strength. This is what I'm called for. If I fast and fast and die, I go to heaven. Everybody has their gift. You stay in your gift. That is why at times I come with a little bit for all of us. But the ones that is left to me, I will do and do and do. Until I see God's power. Arrest situations in the nations of the world. In our families. In our church. God is with us. Amen. Nothing is Amen. above the ability of our God. Hallelujah. I want to pause here. I'll continue next week. And I want us to continue to ask God to show us the first things that we have to do and to put them right so that our lives will reflect His presence and His power until we see a turnaround. Jesus said it, of this kind goes by fasting and prayer. There are so many things in our world. It will not budge, it will not shift until some people commit themselves to continuously fasting and praying and seeking the face of God. We know that our God is a prayer answering God. And one day, there will be a shift, there will be a turnaround, and we will rejoice of the goodness of God. Family, God bless you. May his goodness continue to reflect over you and your entire family. May God cause you to receive everything that he has designed for your life. For in the heart of God, there are some things that he has your name attached to it. May it come to full manifestation. And may you stand to testify of the goodness of God. God bless you. Have a lovely week. Bless you too. All the best. Bless you. You're welcome. Bless you, everybody. Take care. All right. Lord. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye.